0: Eliza Davis was an African-American lady born in Texas in 1879. She lived for a full 100 years. Like so many others of that day, Eliza experienced racial discrimination in, in many ways. But that did not stop her burden to reach her own ancestors. So Eliza and her husband left Texas to be missionaries in Africa. It was a very difficult ministry because they were so poor. Their financial resources were so limited. But Eliza often reminded herself and her family about their true source of wealth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at one point during their ministry in Liberia, she was told that a $200 gift for the ministry was, a, was available for them, and that gift needed to be collected in Monrovia. That was a huge sum of money back at that time, and was desperately needed for their gospel ministry that they were trying to accomplish. She received the news late and realized that she had only a limited time to claim this $200 donation that had come from the state's. So she traveled some 200 miles to Monrovia on foot. She took with her two of her children, and they traveled on foot for 200 miles. But she arrived too late. The postal order had been returned to the U.S., and she just stepped back, and her children collapsed and were in tears, and she was absolutely devastated. It was one of the points in her life when she didn't know how to respond. In fact, she was so, in such despair that she didn't even know what to say when she prayed. What about you? Have there been moments of disappointment, loss, moments of grief or shock that have left you speechless before God? Have the sufferings of this life been so intense that you feel blank when it's time to pray? The text that we study this morning tells us about a helper that is available to every Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, you don't have this helper. But you can be a Christian if you accept the gift of salvation that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's all turn in our scriptures to the book of Romans and find Romans chapter number 8. It can be found on page 796 of the Pew Bible. Romans is a book that explains the undeserved, unmatched, unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. We're working our way through a section in chapters 5 through 8 that describes to us the assurance of the gospel. In other words, we don't have to be wondering if we are in Christ or not. God has provided for us a series of assurances, a theology, if you will, uh, uh, information in the scriptures, realities, promises that offer to the Christians an assurance that we are the children of God. Chapter 8 would be a great chapter to commit to memory. I've, I've challenged many of you in this way before. Personally, I've, I've recalled several of these verses to my own mind as I experience doubts or as I'm tempted to, to distrust what God has promised me. Let's read from God's word. Would you please follow along as I read beginning at Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to start at the beginning of the chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weakened through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law, the righteous requirement of the law, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit." For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, or is the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. For they that are of the flesh cannot please God. But you were not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, or I consider, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creatures waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to vanity or futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same, in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for what a man sees, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we not, but if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities; for we know not what we should pray for as we ought: but the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. that He And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Last week we observed that groaning precedes glory. We are called to wait. And waiting is both exciting and excruciating. We considered the groaning of creation. It's inseparably linked to the the fall and to the restoration of humanity. Creating waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Likewise, last Sunday, we also considered the idea that Christians groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for full adoption of sons, and the redemption of our bodies. Did you groan this week? Did you see the curse of sin all around you? And even though you've been given the ultimate victory in Jesus, did you cave to the temptation to the remaining sin of your own thoughts and body? We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. Creation groans. Christians groan. But Paul gives to us this third source of groaning this morning. The Holy Spirit. He says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we pray for as we ought, but the, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We should note here at the outset this morning, that the groaning of the Holy Spirit is similar, but not identical to the groanings of creation and the groanings of Christians. We will learn that the Spirit's groaning is in coordination with the Christian. And as the Holy Spirit teaches us to pray, we we come to understand that we are are God's children and have an assurance of that. He, He yields to us. And the Holy Spirit's help and our praying is just another means of assurance that God gives to his children. Waiting with patience through the groaning of this life is not only helped with a promise of glory that's in our future. It is also helped with the intercession of God the Holy Spirit in the presence. Brothers and sisters of Harvest Bible Church, God has promised you glory then, but he's promised his presence with you now. So let's ask three questions as we examine this text this morning. Let's ask who, why, and how. We begin with this question, who helps us? Who helps us wait with patience for the glory that follows are groaning. The answer is not a big secret. We've already identified the helper. We see it in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our infirmities. This is yet uh, another mention of God, the Holy Spirit, in a series of mentions throughout chapter 8. I emphasize that in the reading. In chapter 2, we see the law of the Spirit of life has set us free. In verses 4 and 5, we're told that we, not, we don't Walk and live according to the flesh, but we walk and live according to the Holy Spirit. In verses 9, 10, and 11, we're talking about how the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Verses 12 and 13, the Spirit puts to death the deeds of the flesh in our body. Verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are called the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Gospel assurance comes via the Spirit of Glory, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says in verse twenty-six, "The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered." The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, doesn't delegate this 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 work to some other person, to to another human, to, to a human. Or to to an angel. He says the Spirit himself, God himself, helps us wait with patience for the glory that follows our groaning. Well, who is the Spirit of God? The Harvest Bible Church Statement of Faith says, We believe in one triune God, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Paul is obviously talking about that third person of the triune God. God the Holy Spirit. God himself is helping us as we wait eagerly, as we groan inwardly for our full adoption as sons. Christian, remember who the Holy Spirit is. And remember who he is moving towards. The very Spirit of God is is moving towards you. You, of all people, the Spirit of God is in you. Have you ever stood someone up for an appointment, or maybe a date? Not, I mean, not maliciously, because I know none of you would have done that. But maybe you messed up your scheduling, or you miscommunicated somehow, and you didn't show up for a a scheduled lunch or you didn't provide the ride for a friend who was in need or you dropped the ball and didn't pick up your date or whatever the case may be. We've all done that, right? And we've all had that done to us at some point. We've failed others and others have failed us. That can't happen with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can never fail us. Because he is God. Further, in our statement of faith at Harvest, we read the three persons of the Godhead are co-equal in being, co-identical in nature, co-equal in power and glory, and having the same attributes and perfections. The Holy Spirit of God cannot fail to help you. Precisely, he can't fail to help you because he is God. And that is why we have an assurance as Christians. Because the one true living God is the one who is helping us wait with patience for the glory that's fall, that will follow all of the groaning of this life. This is why you can be assured of your status as a child of God. Because the Holy Spirit is the one helping you wait with patience for the glory that follows the groaning of this life. Waiting Waiting with patience through the groaning of this life, it's not only helped with a promise of glory for our future, that waiting process is helped with the the intercession of God's Holy Spirit in the presence. Brothers and sisters, God has promised us glory then, but he's with us now. So who helps us wait with patience for the glory that follows our groaning? None other than God himself, God the Holy Spirit. Let's ask ourselves the second question now. Why? Why do we need help to wait with patience for the glory that follows our groaning? Now, this might kind of be an obvious answer as we consider our own propensity to be impatient people. But here's what the Apostle Paul says in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The first, there's kind of two parts to this answer, to answering this question of why. The first one is that we are weak. Uh, though it's translated in the, in the King James as plural, it says, likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. It's actually a singular idea. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So if you Read from a different translation, you you, you see that, that it's that it's singular, it's 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 weakness. Well, what is our what is our weakness? That's what we talked about last Lord's Day. Our weakness is simply our humanity. We're trapped, right, uh, in God's plan, but we're 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 in this in this body, we're we're in this life, in this journey, and we're 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 trapped in humanity, and so because we have a a failing body, because of the curse of sin from Adam and Eve many years ago, who, who made the decision that we would have made, because of the curse of sin, we are experiencing weakness. Now friends, if, if you need to be convinced that you need help, I'd like to kindly invite you just to kind of wake up and smell the roses. Go home and, go home and look in the mirror, right? Open up the word of God and look into the, the perfect law of liberty. When we look at the groaning of this life, we, when we consider all of the, the trials of being trapped in humanity, there ain't no doubt about it, all of us need help. Each of us is weak. And our weakness is, is not like, oh, on again, off again, I'm really strong on, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, every other month, but on Tuesdays and Fridays, I'm, really, uh, I'm weak. No, we have weakness for life. We're dealing with this. So asking ourselves the question again why do we need help as we wait for the glory that follows our groaning well the first answer is because we are weak but there's a there's a second part of that answer the second part is we don't know how to pray now this isn't talking about how to structure our prayers in a certain order this is talking about our ignorance so don't be offended but you're ignorant I'm ignorant We're all ignorant. We don't know how to pray because we don't know stuff. In fact, we don't know what we don't know. So the Apostle Paul astutely points out that all of our praying is conditioned by our weakness, by our humanity. Our praying is limited by our humanity. We don't know what to pray for because we aren't God. This is a question that has... Been with God's children forever. What should I pray for? Job was a a righteous man, but he didn't know what to pray. In Job chapter 7, we read, Why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For For now I shall lie in the earth. You will seek me, but I shall not be. Or Elijah, Elijah was a, was a courageous man, but he didn't know what to pray. In 1 Kings 19, verse 4, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. He was lost. He was unsure. He didn't know what to pray. The Apostle Paul prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh to be removed. But evidently, his request was not in accord with God's will. He was praying with the knowledge that he had, but his knowledge was limited. We don't know what to pray for because we aren't God. We don't know the full extent of his plan or his purpose for our own lives. We don't know how God is going to unfold Different aspects and all the circumstances and situations of our years here on earth. We don't always know what to pray for because we are limited by our humanity. Maybe, I, I'm probably, I've shared this story with you at some point along the way, but uh, I'll say it again for sake of illustration this morning. About a year after Tara and I were married, probably around 1998, I was, I was a youth pastor in North Carolina, and we lived on a street with a pretty good speed limits, kind of reminds me of Eden Road over here in front of the the, the college. People kind of drove past our house pretty quickly. And one Wednesday before our youth group meeting, we were eating dinner and we heard screeching brakes and then some other noise, and we immediately knew something was wrong. So I went and grabbed the phone even before I went to look outside, and I called 911. And uh, as I saw the devastating scene, our elderly next-door neighbors had pulled into their driveway. The gentleman was had gotten out, gone across the street to where his mailbox was located and inexplicably, just maybe not aware, but stepped out in front of traffic and was hit by a car that was, uh, that was coming right along. And Tara and I were the first to, to run out there. And he was, he was lying motionless uh, in the street, dying from his injuries. And I was stopped in traffic and Tara ran over to, to the lady and started praying with her. How do you know what to pray? a situation like that if I remember correctly Tara started quoting a psalm there are times in our lives it doesn't have to be something dramatic like that there are times in our lives when we're limited because we're humans that we don't know what to pray we don't know what we don't know as we groan in this life there are times that we simply don't know what to pray parenthood can bring these moments. Don't know exactly what the next step is to help the one that we love so much. Is additional discipline needed? Do I bail my adult child out again? What about mental health of my child? Lord, I don't know what to do. Marriage, the marriage relationship can bring those moments where we don't know what to pray. The frustration has, has reached new lows and You've tried everything you know how to pursue to, in order to pursue peace and for mutual upbuilding, as Paul tells us in Romans. But you're kind of at the end of what you know. Employment situations, the ethics at your workplace, honesty and integrity. Lord, what do I do in this situation? Or how about the grief of losing someone that you love? God, what now? physical illness, hardships that have been with you so long and you simply don't know what to pray for. Or maybe you're overwhelmed in a phase of life with emotion. You just don't know what to pray. Or perhaps at the end of life when we are in a hospital bed hooked up to all kinds of monitors and tubes and not even awake to pray. Over the years I've sat beside the bedside of many people who are about to pass into eternity. Sometimes they're not even conscious. They can't pray for themselves. What then? Christian, the text, verse 26, that we're looking at this morning, gives us confidence that whatever the specific circumstances are, when you find yourself in a position where you don't know what to pray pray and ask God for, when you fall on your knees in desperation, acknowledging your need of help, and you're ready to pray, but you draw a blank, not knowing what to pray for, in that very moment. Don't panic, Paul says, because the Holy Spirit, God himself, is praying for you. Our failure, one, one commentator put it this way, our failure to understand God's purposes and plans because of our weakness of of humanity, our failure to understand God's purposes and plans to see the beginning from the end does not mean that effective, powerful prayer for our specific needs is absent. And why does it mean that it is not absent? Because the Holy Spirit, God himself, groans. Praise for us. Did you catch that? The Spirit of God is praying on your behalf precisely because you are weak and because you don't know what to pray for. What an incredible assurance that God communicates to His children. Waiting, waiting for with patience through the groaning of this life is not only helped, With the promise and the joy of glory in our future. But that waiting promise is also helped with God's presence in the the present right now with us. God has promised us glory then, but he's with us now. The Holy Spirit helps us groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. He helps us because we are limited in our humanity by not knowing what we should pray for. And that brings us to a third question. How? How are we helped to wait with patience for the glory that follows our groaning? How does the Holy Spirit help us? Again, our text. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. That he, and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of. He bears a burden along with us. The Holy Spirit, if I can reverently say it this way, hitches up with us like Jesus describes himself in the passage that we started our service with this morning in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what? What's the next word? Rest. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in hearts. And ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The imagery is that of two oxen yoked together, pulling a load together. If they work together, it makes it easier. Jesus says, you are weary. The load is too much for you. And we say, yes, Jesus, it is. It's too hard for us. And Jesus says, I'll come alongside of you, and we can go together. If I am pulling, you will find this to be easy, and there will be rest for your souls. And now in Romans, Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit does the same thing. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us. And during all of the, the groaning of this life, during all the waiting described in verses 23 through 25, the, the, the Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit identifies with our weakness just as Jesus did during His incarnation. That word helps us. When we think about help, it implies that there is, there is personal responsibility still involved in our part. The Holy Spirit, we see at the beginning of verse 26, the Holy Spirit also helps us in our weakness. He is helping us because of our weakness. He is teaming with us. Granted, He is doing the tough work, but it's not as if we are left with zero responsibility. But how does He help? He intercedes for for us. He prays for us. And I want us to note as we finish off this morning, three things about the Holy Spirit's intercession. First, we note that the Holy Spirit's His intercession is in accordance with us. This groaning is similar to, as I said at the beginning, but identical to the groanings of creation or of Christians who wait for the redemption of man. The Holy Spirit is not groaning because he lacks something or is in need of something or he is, in, he is longing for restoration. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to be restored. He is perfect God and he needs nothing. He is sustainable and he is he, self-sustaining. He is by himself in existence. The Holy Spirit is groaning with us. He's sympathizing with us. His groanings are too deep for words, simply beyond human comprehension, outside of our capabilities to understand. God the Spirit is communicating with God the Father. And that is so high. It is so beautiful. It is so holy that it's beyond our comprehension. It would blow our minds. Ours is not to understand the words of those groanings, the words of those prayers, the ways of that communication. Ours is to trust the one who prays them. Our responsibility is to trust. Our hope and our assurance are that God himself is sympathizing with us. The Holy Spirit's intercession is is in coordination with us. We also see that the Holy Spirit's intercession is in coordination with God the Father. God the Father knows exactly what God the Spirit is thinking because the Holy Spirit is interceding, Paul tells us, according to God's will. God has a plan. God has a sovereign will. Everything is is unfolding in your life with the exact precision for you. And that's a word of hope for you this morning as you wait eagerly for adoption of sons and for the redemption of your own body. God has has a perfect plan for you. You've been chosen before the foundation of the world. A settled atonement at the cross, where we sang of this morning, Jesus' blood was interposed. Your specific genealogy, your, your biological parents, your gender, where you have lived and where you currently live, where you have worked and where you currently work, your marital status, your physical and medical condition, your financial resources. And the number of hairs on your head. All of it is under the sovereign rule of God. And none of it is under your ultimate rule. There are future happenings in our life that we have no clue about. But God knows all of it. We don't need to know the will of God in secret areas. Because the Holy Spirit knows it And is praying for us in accordance with God's will. Beloved of Harvest Bible Church, not only is the Holy Spirit praying for us because we are limited by our human knowledge, He's praying for us in accord with the unlimited knowledge of God. Think about how assuring that is for us. Our inability, our inability to understand God's plans and His purposes for our life are actually parts of us being human. But that's not, the, that's not a problem because the Holy Spirit is interceding for us with perfect understanding of all of God's plans and purposes for our life. So the Holy Spirit's intercession is in coordination with God the Father. And thirdly, we see that the Holy Spirit's intercession is in coordination with God the Son. Now, we don't see this directly in these two verses, but certainly implied. Earlier in our service, we sang and we read and we prayed about the intercessory work of Jesus. Christ is our current high priest. Christ is right now at this very moment pleading our case before God the Father. Christ is showing his wounds from Calvary and advocating for us. Christ is constantly, without ever taking a break, pointing back, to the finished work at the cross as being an adequate substitute, an adequate substitutional payments for our sins. We absolutely need the intercessory work of our great high priest, Jesus Christ. But we also need the intercessory work of our great Holy Spirit. The two work in harmony. We have two intercessors, one in heaven and one in in us. You see, waiting with patience through the groaning of this life is not only helped with the promise of glory in the future, it has also helped with the intercession of God, the Holy Spirit, in the presence. God has promised you glory then, but He's presence now. Maybe like Eliza Davis, when she reached Monrovia, You find yourself in a place where you don't really know what to pray. You are struggling through the sufferings of this current life. Maybe it's an emotional suffering of grief. Maybe it's a medical or a physical need. Maybe it's a financial situation. But you're groaning as you're walking through this journey. Paul tells us and we have one with us who is to help us in our weakness. Yet another assurance that we are God's children is the very Spirit of God helps us wait with patience for the glory that follows our groaning. The Spirit intercedes for us. And that reality alone provides us with assurance that we are children of God and of children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. This is, a, this is a beautiful display of God's grace to us. Not only does he, does he save us from the eternal penalty of our sin, but he also places his spirit within us to be a constant reminder that he is interceding for us because we are weak and we are ignorant. And we don't even know what to pray for as we ought. There is an intercessor in heaven defending us from all the charges that could be brought against us. Jesus is guaranteeing our salvation and there is an intercessor in our hearts the spirit of God who is effectively praying to the father on our behalf as we experience the difficulties and the uncertainties and the sufferings of our lives here on earth so beloved of harvest bible church rest in that reality be comforted with the promise that you receive in this passage, that God is not just promising you a hope of glory in the future. God is with you now, every step of the way, day by day, hour by hour, temptation by temptation, suffering after suffering. God is with you. He's praying for you with, with such groanings, such communication, it can't even be comprehended by our human mind. May God comfort our own hearts. May we rest in the realities of these glorious promises he has made to us. Let's pray.